Thank you each of you for joining us for our uh, early morning coffee chat on information security and compliance. Uh, my name is Daniel. I am hosting this uh, panel discussion and I'd like to just take an opportunity for each of you to introduce yourselves. Uh, so Jimmy, if you wouldn't mind, maybe brief introduction of yourself, what you're working on, what you're doing, what you're interested in, uh, we'd love to know. Great, thank you. Uh, Jimmy Tom, I am the AVP of Information Technology and and uh, infrastructure at Financial Horizons, uh, which is a mid-size um, financial services company uh, north of the border. Um, I'm basically the head of IT, and so um, I operate in the space whereby I oversee the uh, all of um, IT operations, which includes security. I work very closely with our company's uh, compliance uh, operations, and um, happy to be here. Perfect. Thanks. Sir. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, Brandon, if you wouldn't mind giving a brief introduction yourself. Yeah, uh, I'm Brandon Wagner. I do information security at Mercury, and that covers you know everything from you know, compliance programs like SOC two and PCI to uh, you know day to day intrusion detection, cybersecurity, protecting data, and making sure it's all where it's supposed to be. Yeah, that doesn't sound too difficult. Uh, Brandon, I also uh, want to acknowledge uh, I'm aware you're a veteran, so thank you for your service. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, thank you. And Stas, uh, maybe a brief introduction of yourself as well. Uh, sure. So I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Compile. We're an information security automation platform. Um, you know, we we help we help companies do the right thing, um, figure out uh, you know their compliance and security needs. Um, you know, in this ever ever more complicated and um, you know, growing space. There you go. Excellent. Well, uh, the reason I asked the three of you to be on this call and have this discussion is I wanted to kind of pick through each of your brains and understand uh, when it comes to establishing an information security um, program within an organization, early stages, or looking to improve an information security program, what that kind of looks like, what that process looks like, because I think um, we, 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 I just hear very often uh, in the community, there's a lot of confusion on this. Um, so, uh, Jimmy, if you wouldn't maybe mind starting us off here, I'm curious to know in your mind, in your experience, uh, some of the first things you think about for an organization when they're scaling and growing and they're beginning to think about uh, really taking security and compliance a bit more serious. Um, sure. And yeah, how, how that goes. So one thing about uh, information security that uh, I've, I've often uh, been challenged with throughout my career, regardless of where I've worked, is that um, the risks around what you're trying to protect is often very hard to quantify. And it's really getting to the point where you are able to convey to upper management here's where we're at risk, here's where we need to protect ourselves, and here's what we need to invest in information security. Um, often it's kind of like um, selling an insurance policy, basically. How much do we need and what are the inherent risks? Um, you know, nowadays it's, it's, it's a much easier environment just because, I mean, you hear on the news CNN or New York Times or USA Today where, you know, company XYZ has gotten hacked and so forth. So the news is out there. But, you know, often companies will will um, sit back and think, well, you know, what are chances, you know, can it happen to me? You know, it'll happen to someone else before it happens to us. And there's always that sense of uh, 
denial, that sense of disbelief and so forth. So as, a, as an information uh, security professional, you always hope that senior leadership will buy into the whole idea of having a robust program before it's too late in essence. Mm, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Brandon, when you think about kind of buy-in, I know you're uh, at a, uh, you know, a, a, a growing company and you were an early information security hire there. So buy-in is absolutely critical. I'm sure maybe something you face. How, how do you kind of deal with those obstacles, um, kind of get buy-in, get people to get on board with maybe um, handling security in a, uh, a responsible way? Uh, easy. Start with why. Why am I here, right? Like, why do we need this program? Why are there risks? And, you know, Jimmy touched on it, like, you need to be able to communicate and quantify, which is sometimes difficult. But if you can't quantify it, qualify it, right? What What is the risk? And what does it mean if we don't do this? You know, if if we don't encrypt our data, what what's wrong with that? Like maybe maybe this data doesn't need to be encrypted. Maybe that data does, right? So you know, start with the why, run through that exercise, talk about talk about it, right? Um, don't just propose a plan. Like we need to do all these things. We need to spend all this money. I need all these tools put in place because that doesn't mean anything. You need to be able to communicate the why you're doing these actions and what it's going to bring to the company and why are we protecting it? Uh, I mean, you, you may not care if everybody's emails get leaked. Or you might, you, and, you might care that their credit card numbers get leaked, or you might not. But if yeah. you put all of those risks and all of that context there in front of them, you usually get pretty good buy-in, or you at least get a good discussion on why it's not important. And yeah. how, do you, how do you normally get like, I'm just curious, because like I, I have my own way of doing this, but like, how do you guys get, um, you know, you start asking the why, but then how do you actually get the answers to that? Like, again, how do you quantify or qualify um, what is important and what isn't important in your in your organizations? Like um, often, like my experience with with this space has been is you know I get hired as the CISO or whatever, um, and they're like, well, you know, we need, we need to protect the organization, but we actually don't know where any of our stuff is or what you know where our crown jewels are or uh, who's got access. To it. Like how do you like how do you just branching off on the why? Sorry, Brandon, back back to you. Like how. You've got the why, and then how do you actually get the the what and the how and the and the when? Yeah, so you know, first you talk about the why, which is great, but the the what is is the important thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't protect it if you don't know it exists, right? So you you start with your asset inventory, um, and you need to have that discussion too. Like, what is an asset? You know, are we only talking about computers? Are we talking about data? Are we talking about people? Um, you know, where do we draw the line? Be between what's an asset, and then you start with asset discovery, whatever those assets might be, right? So then you build your asset inventory and you bring it to them, right? Like, here's what our assets are, and here's what it's gonna cost to protect them. Well, if that asset's worth $5, your, your request for $50,000 to protect it is probably yeah. or should be denied. If they approve it, you should probably leave. Uh, but that's that's a different topic. Yeah. That, how many times has that happened? <laughs> yeah. Never to my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, J Jimmy, I'm curious uh, if you think part of this kind of discussion, and this is this is a great topic right now. But do you like 
when it comes to information security and getting buy-in, I believe that part of the challenge with buy-in is you're communicating something that um, it's it's not. I don't think it's that a C-suite doesn't care about. I think I think it's actually hard for them to understand it. Um, hmm. How how do you go about communicating in a in a way to actually get them to understand it because they, they can't care about it if they truly don't get it right yes that's correct so you know one thing about the c-suite is that it's often made out of very different individuals with very different backgrounds different levels of understanding different um you know, different uh you know things that they care about kind of thing and so the one resonating uh the one the one factor that really resonates across any C-suite that I've that I've dealt with, and even boards that I've dealt with, are, you know, what is the uh, the, the possible loss to the business in terms of dollars? What is the reputational risk? And what I've tended to do myself, and and each organization is very different. So I would say to the people, you know, watching this uh, watching this panel discussion, really know your environment, uh, know how your uh, C-suite operate. But I'll tend to do a lot of storytelling. You know, this is the example of where we might be at risk. Um, the benefit to having so many cyber um, attacks uh, broadcast in the news that there's so many different examples to draw from. Hey, here's what XYZ company is undergoing. Here's how they got hacked. And here are the commonalities between what they've experienced and what we are experiencing right now in terms of our environment. Let's do something about it. Um, I do find that really, how should I put it, put the fear of God into the C-suite and then dial it back and then determine, okay, now that I have your attention, here's what we propose to do about it. And here's why investing $1 will save us $2, like really speak in, in that uh, type of language to really quantify it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I think, I think a lot of what you're saying, I, um, is is very valuable uh, and especially quantifying right being able to quantify risk um brandon i'll toss it back to you how how would you go about quantifying risk for your organization um what, what would that process look like uh so yeah that's that's one of the hardest things in cybersecurity, right like uh starting there, there's two ways to look at it right so like i put a protection in place uh, and I've blocked all of these attacks. I can talk to you about the number of attacks that have been blocked, but that doesn't mean they would have been successful in the first place. So I, I'm also looking at things that they didn't attack at all because that protection was in place. So I'm trying to quantify something that doesn't exist, uh, which is essentially impossible. So you have to take a look at you know what you have in front of you. So go back to your asset inventory, right? Like if this device is compromised, what what does that cost us? So then we, you know, look at what kind of data is on that device or who has access to that device. And if they were compromised, what would it look like? Uh, so sometimes it's not even about the, the quantification as much as it is the exercise or like Jimmy put it, telling the story, right? You know, I can't quantify the damage because it's, it's, it's an unknown, but I can walk through the story of all of this data has been put somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be. And what does that mean? Now we're all over the news. Customers have started pulling contracts. You know what? What the scenarios are that could happen as a result, 
Uh, but like to, to put a dollar value to it is usually a very hard thing. Uh, I mean, even if you look at like Gardner reports, they try to quantify it. People have tried to say, you know, the average priest costs 1.7 million, but that doesn't mean anything because it's, it's relative to the company. I mean, if you look at some of them, like an Uber breach is not the same as, you know, Joe's coffee shop down the street. They both had a data breach. One of them went out of business, right? So like the, the average cost of a data breach doesn't mean anything. The, the quantification doesn't necessarily mean anything if it's not put in the proper context. So scenarios yeah. and storytelling are really the only way to, to illustrate those risks. Stas, uh, so, you know, again, you know, we're talking buy-in, we're talking about how to get buy-in. What do you, how do you approach, let's say an executive team uh, who, you know, kind of looks at security as a cost center. Uh, in reality, you're, you're putting preventative measures in place when security is working well um it's generally you know it's quiet you're you're not reporting on issues um uh, but then an issue happens and securities maybe on the front end of uh of the, of everyone's mind how, how do you kind of combat the idea that like security is a cost center and when it's working well it's really not uh you're not hearing much about security issues yeah i mean this is i mean this is going back to brendan's point right like it's it's really hard to quantify uh, something that hasn't happened, right? And especially if it, it's one of those, it's one of those situations where, like, if something doesn't happen, they ask you what you know, what are you doing? If something does happen, they ask you what are you doing? Um, uh, so it's just really, um, it, it's it's hard, it's hard, you know, this this space is particularly hard to quantify. The way that I usually get buy-in is, um, you know, I set up a, um, you know, I, I set up a, a risk management policy uh, just at a high level, just trying to quantify what you know, what the issues are within the organization. So if that's like reputational risk, loss of customers, uh, financial loss, whatever is important to that, that particular organization, um, and then try and quantify the risk, storytell it, um, and get it in front of the, of the C-suite. So at the very least, they're aware of the issues that are, that are occurring in the organization. It's documented, it's dated, so that your, you know, your, your job there from, from, you know, protecting yourself is, uh, you know, is there, but in terms of, um, you know, in terms of a cost center, yeah, I mean, um, security is often seen as a cost center. It's not a revenue generator, um, but with every, you know, that's changing day in and day out. Like um, the fact that C-suite, the CISOs are now on the board um, and often included in a lot of the conversations that they weren't before. Um, I think the, um, it's starting to be seen as a different differentiator rather than um, um, you know a cost center in the sense that if you have strong security, then more customers are going to be willing to do business with you, especially uh, depending on your you know your your type of business and what you do. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's it's changing. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's interesting. Jimmy, I'm curious from your perspective, uh, you know, you have an organization that's maybe uh, experiencing some growth and uh, but yet to hire a security position, right? So maybe they are up against some compliance uh, requirements. Maybe there is a baseline level of security, even without a security person in place, right? And let's just say this fictitious organization. So they start experiencing growth. They realize they need to get a, a more of a hold on security, more of a hold on compliance. So now they're hiring people 
Um, and as we know, CISO role turn, is the fastest turnover of any C-level executive. Um, how, how do you go from not having security in an organization um, or, or having limited security with maybe some people that don't have a security background and that transition period to your first security hire uh, what is that first security hire kind of looking to do in the in the early days uh, to kind of like get a grip of what's what's really taking place in the organization? Sure, great question. And you know, my my quick answer is that there is no quick answer to that, just because every organization will be very different. You know, the one complication with uh, cybersecurity and even compliance and whatnot. Um, where it belongs is really a question of the organization. Where does it? Where does the organization think cybersecurity belongs? Does it belong under IT? Does it belong under under compliance? Is it its own practice? And so the organization really needs to sit back and do a lot of reflection on where do we want this particular role to sit? What are our requirements? And what are the most pressing needs that this type of role needs to address? You know, I could, I could, I could uh, very quickly say, well, you know, a lot of cybersecurity is about remediation, it's about incident response, and so therefore, you know, you ought to look for someone who's more technical, who can delve into uh, the cyber threats and and deal with uh, deal with those accordingly. But on the other hand, you miss the big picture in terms of well, then you're just firefighting. Then you're not looking at cybersecurity in a in a more proactive manner. So a lot really depends on what the organization, what your organization is struggling with, where, what are the inherent risks, and what are some of the things that you can address readily with, with an in-house person. Um, there are also um, outsourced um, services that you can purchase, um, where you can purchase SOC as a service, or um, compliance as a service, or um, uh, all these various technologies that can help uh, give you an edge as far as uh, getting ahead of the cybersecurity game. So it really depends on the organization, the organizational makeup, uh, even existing team complement. You know, do you have robust technical people who can do the remediation? And so therefore, all you have to do is now concentrate on the cyber risks and give direction on what needs to be done from a, from an infrastructure standpoint. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Uh, Brandon, tossing it over to you, um, security, uh, best handled internally or uh, leverage external resources? What do you think? Uh, personal opinion, I think it's always best handled internally, but there's, there's some trade-offs with it, right? So nobody knows your company better than you. Um, so, you know, having security internal, they're, they're going to know the culture, they're going to know the people, they're going to know the systems. You can outsource that. But if you do, you need to make sure, you know, you, you draw those responsibilities clearly. I think a lot of people or companies, when they outsource it, they're like, oh, security is not my problem anymore. Uh, and that's, that's, in my opinion, wrong. Uh, it's still your data. It's still your company. It's still your customer. So having that security in your company is the, the best from a, a cultural standpoint, from a growth standpoint, like knowing your company is, is, is the way to do it. Yeah, interesting. Stas, on the, on the flip side, you know, here, you know, I know with Compile, right? I mean, where we act as the extension of a security team and um, we try to make security uh, really tangible and relatable. And so, you know, 
organizations understand kind of where their thresholds are. Um, I'm curious, how do you, how do you keep security on the forefront of an organization's mind, you know, as, as a, um, a service provider for, for these organizations? So, yeah, I mean, we're, so I, I'm, I completely agree with Brandon, right? I mean, if you can keep it in house, that that's the, you know, that's the best way to do it. Um, unfortunately with the lack of shortage and skills in this, in this space, it's very hard to do that. Um, and just kind of going off of Jimmy's point, like the firefighting aspect, if you can pass that off to a third party to deal with the, with the firefighting aspect of it, that like, we always encourage, we always encourage like our, you know, our customers to like, to take, um, like if they want to hire a CISO or they want to hire an internal team, we encourage them to do that. Cause that like, you know, the, the outsourcing should be seen as an extension, not the be all and end all of the, of the security team. So like. The day-to-day stuff, sure, pass that off to a third party, but as long as there's somebody that's ultimately responsible for it on internally within the customer environment that oversees what the what the external, you know, what the external third party is doing and helping them out, because this space is very, you know, it is very broad and very, very complex at the same time. So like um, you know, you can to try and take advantage of everything that you can depending on the organization, right? Like um Information security folk are quite expensive. Not not all not all organizations can afford to staff all internal, so they have to have a hybrid solution. But ultimately, there should be, you know, as, as Brandon was saying, like there, you can't just pass it off and just say, oh, it's somebody else's, it, you know, it's somebody else's problem. Um, that never works out well. So it, it it's it's a trade off. It, like everything else, you have to understand what um, you know what your organization is looking to do and where the immediate um you know pain points are and what the quick wins are and ultimately what you want to do is you want to get away from the firefighting and focus on strategy so whichever way you can do that um based on budgeting resourcing or based on budgets and your resourcing constraints like you have to figure that out but it's i would agree if you can afford to do it all internal you should do that if you can't then you should think about a hybrid model cool um jimmy uh, getting, you know, getting away from firefights, how do you, how, how does a, a, uh, security professional, a CISO, CTO, CSO, um, how do they, with limited resources, how do they move away from firefighting every day? Again, a very good question. Um, again, it really depends on the organization and the internal resources. Um, you know, I'll, I'll echo what Brandon was saying. Uh, know know the environment. Um, know what the risks are. Know what your capabilities are in terms of going beyond firefighting. Um, be able to anticipate what the risks are to the organization and how will you respond to it. Um, do you do you meet it head on and therefore um, expend resources to it? Do you um, basically just let the risk happen because the risk tolerance of the organization, you know, will bear that risk and therefore you have compensating controls that can uh, uh, deal with the risk, but also ensure that the damage is minimal. So a lot of it really depends on having that um, line of sight across the business, having being connected with uh, the various parts of the, uh, the business in order to understand, okay, what does the lay of the land look like? Uh, how should we prepare ourselves? And you know, what what are some of the areas where we can potentially 
um, you know, I hate to say this, a give way to, you know, a threat actor because we know it's fairly low risk. But on the other hand, our crown jewels are here. Let's let's spend all of our limited resources on this piece. And then the rest can be up for grabs because they are very low risk. And I think it goes back to really quantifying what the risk elements are. You know, risk is, um, I guess, typical model that, that uh, I've used in the past is risk is impact and likelihood. So likelihood, you can potentially predict from the standpoint of, well, how are other like organizations being hacked? You know, what's my, uh, what's my uh, likelihood of being a target by a threat actor? And then impact, well, you know, there, there are some ways of gathering that. Um, you know, what does it mean if the organization's down for a day, for an hour, for half a day? Um, one thing I will mention, uh, you know, being a so-called jack of all trades, if you will, because, you know, my, my focus isn't just cybersecurity, but it's also all of IT. Um, I also have a, a disaster recovery background. And one thing about DR and, and business continuity is that um, there, is a, a, there is a business impact analysis that is inevitably developed as part of our process. And I often tell um, IT departments, hey, you know what, don't reinvent the wheel. Look to see what the organization already has in your catalog of resources. If you have a BIA, that might be a good resource to determine what is the impact to our organization. And so at that point, you don't have to quantify what is downtime, what does downtime look like for an hour, for half day. At that point, you can build the case in determining, okay, now what is the likelihood that we can be um, that we can be compromised in such a way where that service is brought down for X amount of time. So to me, the CISO has to have good line of sight in all those elements in, in, in order to make the decision in the first place. Interesting. Cool. Um, what, one last topic I just want to, I want to shine some light on is risk reporting. I think um, kind of what we're talking about here is the idea of establishing a, a program uh, but uh, uh, at some point, that program has to be communicated, right? And getting it in some sort of uh, repeatable, predictable uh, format in in terms of a report and sharing that with uh, decision makers is going to be critical. So, Brandon, how how do you think about quantifying uh, risk and some sort of consistent reports? Um, have you have you had much? luck, much experience? Is this something you're working on? Um, is it something you find valuable uh, having, you know, risk reports part of, uh, you know, a quarterly uh, cadence, let's say? Yeah, so risk reporting is one of the, the hardest parts of my job, right? Um, you know, being able to, to make it clear to the various stakeholders what the risk is, what it means, and you know, what, what's the impact of ignoring it. Um, and, you know, it, it, it does come down to targeting the right audience um, and who owns that risk. It, that, and that, that's sometimes mm -hmm. the difficult part, right? Because if I'm talking to, uh, you know, engineering about something that it may be their responsibility, but it might also be, you know, the business side of it. So who owns the risk? Who's actually responsible for monitoring that or correcting that? Um, you know, is, is it my job to fix that risk? Or is it, you know, the sales team, or is it the engineering team, right? So, reporting that to the right audience with the right impact, you know, is is this five dollar fix worth it uh, to prevent five minutes worth of downtime? 
maybe, right? But it's going to delay all these other projects from going into to place or, you know, whatever that might be. So the risk reporting is, is really like, it has to be tailored for every audience. But in order to do that, you have to figure out who owns that risk. Very cool. I'm just curious. Can I just can I just ask? Like, I, I don't know what your experience has been um, with, with both you guys, but like, did your organizations already have risk committees defined before you got there um, from a security perspective? From a security perspective, no. From like a business perspective, right? Like with various compliance or contracts or programs, they yes. Some, they had something. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and I found that the two years ago, hand in hand as well. So, you know, this is the financial risk and there's usually an IT or cyber component to it. Yeah, yeah no, I, I found that I found that as well. They, like in my experience, there either isn't one or there is one, but they're having the same they're having the same problems, whether that be tech risk or IT security risk, like they were still finding it hard to quantify even business risk um, uh, and being able to put, you know, a dollar figure across it. So I was just curious. Sash, I know that um, risk reporting, um, big piece. I know, I know you're you're pretty passionate about it from from just uh, being in this industry. Uh, yep. You know, building compile out, and you know, I know risk reporting was something you wanted to be able to provide. Uh, I'm just curious from your experience, let's call it in the field, um, yep. risk reporting, and now kind of being able to put some comprehensive reports together uh, fairly quickly. Um, what kind of value do you see that providing to customers and um, uh, that you, you know, you're working with? Um, yeah, I mean, my experience with this is, uh, uh, you know, working with large and small organizations is the reporting is never, you know, it's never been, uh, it's never been repeatable. It's never been automated. So someone, spread, someone sends a spreadsheet around saying, can you fill in your KPI numbers here? It's a finger in the air. Um, you know, it goes out. Uh, a lot of people don't understand what what it is that they're looking at. Um, um, like what what I always try to like what I always try to do is is to automate those type of things so that the reports are consistent. You can actually see you know quarter on quarter or month on month on month on month um, you know progress or reduction in risk or whatever whatever it is that you're trying to you know whatever it is that you're trying to convey to the business. But you're you're showing them you know this is the same report you're going to get every time. It's consistent. Um, you can actually see, you know, where you're where you're trending as an organization, and um, you know the best part. If you can get it to this to this point where they can actually generate them themselves, or actually drill down into the data to understand where their risk level, where their risks are. Most most you know organizations don't go to that level, or um, you might have one or two C-suite execs that do go into that level, but. Um, but that data is really, really powerful. Also from, you know, promoting yourself in, in your organization, just showing like my department has done this and like quarter on quarter, we've reduced the risk, you know, from, you know, a million bucks down to like 200,000, like, um, this is all of the areas and all of the you know, departments where we've seen the risk re reduced. Um, and this is what we've done, like being able to quantify that and show that to the business, I think is very, very powerful. I've never, um, you know, I've only. Yeah, I've I've seen that very few times in in my life, and I've been doing this for a while. Um, but I, yeah, I, it's basically it it makes if you can do it well, it makes you and the department look good, and it's also very valuable to the business. Yeah, and uh, Jimmy, just curious your your experience with risk reporting, um, the value of it, or the ability to produce you know consistent reports. Uh, what does that look like? 
Sure. So I guess uh, my, my whole attitude towards reports in general are, are very favorable. And I'll quote uh, who uh, the business author, uh, Peter Drucker, you can't manage what you can't measure. So just having that visibility is very key. Now, the one important thing is that you can't just give a bunch of metrics to uh, executives because, I mean, it's kind of like statistics. St statistics can be interpreted in so many different ways. Uh, basically control the narrative, um, answer the question, so what? So every time you present something, be ready to answer the question, so what? Okay, here is what the numbers are telling us. Um, this is what it means to us. And, and to uh, Stas's point, this is what we're doing about it. So in, in, in effect, you're almost, again, putting the fear of God into the executive, but also uh, illustrating this is what we're doing about it. So everything is under control. Everything is well, well um, underway as far as our, our, uh, our um, cybersecurity investments. And this is why it's been worthwhile to spend what we've been spending on cybersecurity, on compliance and so forth. So really uh, pushing that message across will really, uh, number one, give the executive, uh, the C-level, the uh, reassurance that yes, we are aware that there are risks out there, that they are very current. Yes, we do know that we are doing something about it. And yes, this person in this role is doing the job that we hired them to do because they are keeping us safe. Very good. That's uh, that's well said. Well, I uh, I just want to say I, I am so appreciative of everyone's time here. Um, this was a really healthy and great conversation. I think we're able to shed some light on um, you know the way organi organizations should be thinking about either building or bolstering uh, their current inform information security and compliance program. So uh, thank each of each of you um, for your time today. And uh, I uh, hope we can all get together and, uh, and chat again soon. Um, thanks again. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Take, Take care. care.